Yo, what is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan Dumas, here again with you. Highly visible and little misunderstood podcast. Y'all knew that. Really excited to continue our uh, theme on entrepreneuring while BIPOC. Um, have some amazing guests lined up, especially I'm really excited for today's Theon Freeman. We had a wonderful conversation and we talked about the many hats that we wear and how tired and exhausting it can be <laughs> sometimes. Um, I personally have a secret weapon. Um, I take a supplement called Magic Mind. I've told y'all about this before. I love it. Clean energy, clarity of thinking, productive, all of the things you need uh, to be, you know, a well-oiled machine getting things done, but also creating amazing shows like this one. And if you are a parent, a student, business owner, anything and everything, I want to invite you to go ahead and test it out for yourself. See if it helps you. Uh, you can go to magicmind.com slash visible and use the code visible20. Check it out. You get 20% off your first purchase. Um, or if you do a subscription, I think it's up to 56% off. Um, let me know what you think. Test it out. It's helped me. Hopefully it helps you. Ah, on to podcast logistics. I almost forget every week to, to talk to you all about this. So logistics would conclude me telling you that if you haven't already, please rate us, subscribe to us, share the show, leave us a review. We want to hear from you. It really helps folks discover the show, all that wonderful things. We also have an email list. We're also giving away, you know, stickers. Everybody loves stickers. Um, if you sign up for our email list, the link is in the our show description. You can go ahead and um, we'll send you a, a couple of stickers, not just one, but two. And the first 100 people that sign up will get those uh, for free. Free 99. Everybody loves that. Um, and then finally, y'all, we have our coffee and Patreon page. Go ahead and sign up there or donate to us. Support the show because this thing ain't free. I think those are all of the logistical stuff. Now on to the highly visible story of the week. So the highly visible story of the week continues on with Palestine and Israel. I actually want y'all to listen to this. It is from Bisan. She is a Palestinian journalist there. She's been providing updates through social media. Maybe some of y'all have heard of her. I went ahead and dropped her uh, TikTok down in the show description, but go ahead and take a listen to uh, this update from her as of November 4th, 2023. We're from Gaza, we're still alive, and these are some numbers you need to know about Gaza. We're entering the, the, the day 29 of the war, more than 10,000 people were killed, more than 2,000 people still under the rubble. Um, we're talking about 68% of them are children and women, uh, more than 30 uh, of them are children, more than two, th- more than 3,000 are children, more than 2,000 are women. Uh, 50% of people of Gaza are displaced. Um, uh, 700,000 of them are in 149 buildings for an UNRWA. And uh, about the UNRWA, more than 79 people from the UNRWA staff were killed. Most of them with their families. Uh, more than uh, four, uh, 46 uh, journalists were killed. Uh, we are talking about um, more than between 25 to 30 uh, thousand tons of explosive force was dropped on the heads of civilians and innocents. More than 50% of Gaza buildings were fully damaged. More than 80% uh, are unusable. They could not be used uh, after the war. If we reached after the war, um, yeah, and these are some updates you need to know. And there it is, y'all. Um, I'm not going to add too much to it. We're literally witnessing a genocide in our in front of us. We are seeing hundreds of people killed every single day. And as of my knowledge right now, it's November 6th right now. I don't know if this, Israel started a ground offensive, but it'll, it's going to get worse. It absolutely will. And so ceasefire now. We need humanitarian aid in there to help the people. There needs to be some escape route for them. There needs to be something. And so continue to call, uh, continue to demand, continue to email, all of those things. I personally, I'm not going to act like I've done it every single day. I want to be better at it. There is an app that I'll also include in the show description that actually helps with getting you the, the numbers to your representatives and helping you call. And then I'm also going to plug another resource that was developed by um, Hina, who is another TikToker. So, there it is, y'all. Don't stop. Keep going. Free Palestine. All right, let's get to this conversation. All right, Theon, 
Welcome to Highly Visible and a Little Misunderstood. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. How are you doing? Of course. I, you know, I'm doing well today. Uh, mm. Yes, I'm doing well today. Usually when people ask me how I'm doing, I have to then like step back and be like, oh, wait a minute. Today's Friday. Okay. Mm. And this week has been good. Okay, cool. I'm doing well today. Okay. <laughs> you know. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That reminds me of like a high school teacher I had and she was like, she was like, um, you know, I had to start asking people if they actually give a fuck. So like she did a yeah. her own little social experiment and, she, and when she would, somebody asked her how she was doing, do you actually care? Like, do you give a fuck about it? And she would say it like yeah. that. And they, it caught a lot of people off guard. And there were some people that were actually cared. So I appreciate the honesty in the response. I want to be more honest about like when somebody asks me how mm -hmm. I'm doing. So I, I love that. It's true because a lot of a lot of folks just want, you know, they use it as like a, as a, as a flippant question or just yeah. like throw away like, oh, small talk. And it's just like, okay, well know that if you ask me that and you don't really want to hear my answer, then that has already like kind of put a little thing in my head mm. about what the intentionality kind of looks like. And so mm. I tried, I don't want to use that as judgment, but also it's just like, then you don't have to ask it. We can, mm. you can, we can just kind of move forward. Yeah. It's almost if it is like, I just want you just, just let's just be upfront about this. Like, what do you need? I'd rather you just like, ask the thing or do the thing instead of like you know pretending because you're absolutely yeah. right like from then on i actually might be less inclined to even hear anything or even be more receptive or less receptive to anything you have to say after that because you actually don't mm -hmm. care right i no, we're already look at that we're already getting into it <laughs> so i know you obviously yeah. but i would love for you to just introduce yourself to listeners and if it's any indication like that little snippet right there is any indication how this conversation is going to go um, I just want people to know, like, the dope-ass person you are, Theo. So go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, I'm dope. Uh, not <laughs> but that's just it. Um, yes, hell yeah. Uh, no, my name is Theon Freeman. At this point in my life, I have a lot of commas. Mm. And so I am a an event producer, an event strategist. That's in person and virtual. I'm a wedding officiant. I'm a deacon at my church of community events. I am a brother, I am a son, I am a friend, I care about a lot of shit. Yes. Um, the most important for me has been understanding who I am mm -hmm. in all the spaces that I am and being more intentional and authentic mm -hmm. in the way in which I communicate and connect with others. Um, I love community, culture, and connection. Those are my three C's mm -hmm. um, and also my values. Um, hmm. There, uh, at some point, there will be coach on there. Right now, I show up as coach for people, but I'm definitely one of those people with agency and titles and all these different things, still working on allowing myself to be in all the spaces that I naturally show up in. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I love that that intro of yourself. I think I, and we had a lot. We talked before, like, I don't know, month, two months ago, whatever. And we talked for a while about like this this identity piece, this, like, how do we introduce ourselves? Like feeling the word is not uncomfortable because I don't feel like that sufficiently captures like that feeling almost enclosed in boxes when I try and introduce myself as like just coach. But I love how you said I have a lot of commas about who I am. And I just really, really, really love that. So I, I think I'm, I'm going I'm to take that if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and honestly, that came out of, um, uh, what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think a a, like a lot of other, I guess, stories or sayings or whatever, we were only really taught a socialized part of it. Mm. And so it's actually jack of all trades, master of none, and sometimes that's better than a master of one. Ooh. And so that last piece was like something that kind of plagued me for a very long time. Like, mm -hmm. I, cause, because I didn't know it was, a, I didn't know it. And I just always thought that I had to have a very specific train of thought. I had to have a very specific path. Mm -hmm. And then naturally, as I got more inquisitive around who I am as an individual, mm -hmm. then I recognized that we're more. And then I heard that from a coach. And then yeah. once she told me that, I swear, like for a moment, like I even got teary eyed because in that moment, I felt so much more seen and understood mm -hmm. uh, because I was like, no, I can do a lot more things than just like what society thinks I do. And so yeah. in the same breath too, still trying to figure out marketing. Like, <laughs> that's real. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, so. We'll Yo, see. 
Yo, so that is so funny because I was, I literally just had a conversation this morning. Career Combat, shout out Kelly Combat. It was so funny. She, if you could name a move me of all the things that you do, what would you say? I said the Maverick Man, but I feel like that's like basic as fuck. I would actually say, what is that man doing? Like that would be the title mm. of my movie because trying to market myself and tell people yeah. what I do, it is so difficult. It is much easier to talk about my passions and then talk about the through line between them, which is I care exactly. deeply about people. I believe deeply in authenticity. I And joy is at the center of all of it, right? And we have that in common, that joy yeah. aspect. And so I think that that, that that like to boil me down into, I just do this one thing or I just do this one thing. Again, like I said earlier, I just feel so enclosed because that's not who I am. And I, yeah. oh, the question I hate the most is like, what do you do? And I'm, well, I'm talking mm -hmm. to you right now. So like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Ask more, ask a more real question. And that more real question mm -hmm. to me is like, what do you care about? Like, what are you passionate about? What excites you? Cause we could, then we could talk all day. We could talk all day yeah. about, about those things. But again, it's the marketing piece. Like how the, how the hell do you mind that? But also we live in a work culture that tells us because I had yes. multiple conversations about this, that you need to niche down, that you need to be focused, yeah. that you need to do that. Hence the what 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 was the saying? It's the master of Oh, Jack of all trades. And master of none, right? And so it's already yeah. we're already being told and fed this narrative that like if you if you do all these things, you will actually you're not gonna be a master. And mastery, yeah. expertise, all of these things are much more valued than somebody who is really, really good at, at a lot of different things, which is And let's also just step back for a moment and take out the master because that has that within itself <laughs> Beyond is rooted in too yes. many bullshits. Yes, and yes, so yes. it's like so. Is the jack of all trades main of one? Like I don't even know how to. Like, what do I? Primary. I, I don't know. What? Right. Like the okay. grand. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's such a good point. That's such a good point. Um, can we talk about your values real quick? Because I I love yeah. this, and I think that they feed into a lot of the. They do feed into all of the things that you do, which are all wonderful. Yeah. So you said community culture and connection. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out first where I want to go with this because I'm curious about multiple things because I love all these. Yeah. Things. So I'm going to go with the first question that comes to mind is how did you mm -hmm. land on these three C's for you? Community, culture, and connection. Yeah. Oh, that is a good question. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I landed on them when I used to work at this place called the Center for Social Innovation. Mm -hmm. It was a social impact co-working space for change makers and such. And, um, that place just kind of changed a lot of the different things in my world. We get, we'll, we'll get into that. But at one point, I was talking to a researcher, Joan Ball, who was just working with the team. She was also a member, and we were talking about the idea of the North Star. And some folks have North Stars. That's what they do and how they go back to the singular that we were talking about earlier. Mm. But also some folks have constellations. And sometimes when you don't necessarily have a North Star, it feels troubling. It feels contentious. It feels like anxiety ridden or really that's how it felt for me. But then when I was introduced to this idea of the constellations, then I could really kind of step back and see what are all the things that I like and how I show up in this world. Community culture and connection originally really outlined a lot of the roles that I took. And so community was always one of them, even though I didn't know that was the name for it at the time. Mm -hmm. Connection was, I was always client facing and all these different pieces. And culture, I, you know, I believed in a strong work culture. As I then started to move forward and really look inwards and look at what authenticity looked like for me, I recognized that yes, those were present in the things that I did for quote unquote work, but also they were present in the way in which I just kind of lived my life and related to the different aspects. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, everything that I do tracks back to those three things in some sort of fashion. And then since then, I've kind of been rocking with it. I think that in a combination of back to the marketing aspect, like at real talk, I don't read enough. Okay. Um, and that's my own judgment, but also I just don't read enough. But when I do have conversations, I do learn very well from having conversations with people. And that's how I retain different aspects. And I remember when, I can't remember who said it, but from a marketing perspective, if someone hears three, like they're going to remember certain things. Yep. And so, and then you had, now you have three C's. And so mm -hmm. if you don't remember anything about me, you're going to walk away remembering the culture, community and connection, and depending on, you know, which one comes first in that line. 
Yeah, I, and I love that too. And what's interesting is that oftentimes folks think, or at least I do, I'll, I'll speak more generally uh, or more me, about me, mm-hmm. um, is that like somebody sat for like five minutes and they come up with these incredible values, individual values that are incredibly impactful and they're long lasting, all these different things. So community cu- culture connection, like that sticks. That's so... To me, that brings up so much, all three of those things together, separate, all that stuff. But like, there is an absolute story for each and every one of those. And so even as yes. you were sharing, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's so, that's so good. Like I'm, I, I, I even get more like curious about how does community come out in your work? How does culture come out in your work? How does connection come out of your work now as an entrepreneur, as somebody who wears different hats? Um, so I, I just really do love that. You take me as somebody who thinks and ponders, right? That intentional mm-hmm contemplation. And so I just like, I just want to just say, I appreciate this, like the intentionality behind community culture and connection. Because I, I know coming up with something like this is not easy. And the follow up question would be like, how do these three things show up in your, in your work, like community culture yeah. and connection? Um, one, I appreciate that. Uh, and I think, like I mentioned before, everything that I do kind of tracks back, particularly with the community. My last formal role in an organization was head of community. Hmm. Before that, when I was at CSI, I was facilities and membership services, but at the end of the day, I was also community. And so the way in which I communicated with folks and the way in which I um, encountered these spaces and honestly held these spaces, community has just been really important to me. I Hmm. recognize that, trying to figure out when, I think it it, it was when I got to CSI, of what community actually was. Like I knew mm. that the way in which I relate to others and show up with and the, and the folks who showed up and naturally gravitated towards me has always been a kind of like anchor. And mm. then later on, it was the language of, oh, that's community. Mm. That's what feels good about that. I also, in working with coaches, I recognize that the communities I like to create are the ones that I don't feel like I'm a part of. And so at one point, I started a time for healing. That was right after George Floyd was murdered. With my friend, I started that group because as Black men, we needed a place to just show up and and, and just be us. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I was missing that type of connection with Black men, started a time for healing with West. Uh, or a couple months ago, I want to go to an open mic night, but I want to be more intentional. So I said, okay, well, can I just do one that will get people there to really kind of just feel vulnerable and be themselves? So I did one on mental health, Mm -hmm. and then that kind of started off an open mic series. And and then a friend of mine, she felt very passionate about environmental sustainability, and I too, but this was really in helping with her, and she wants to galvanize community. So great. Let's go ahead and help her plan this. And now that steps more into community. Mm-hmm. And so the community through line, ultimately, I feel like that might even be the biggest of the three, because a lot of these things, and particularly those three things, kind of feed back to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, can you have community without having a strong culture? Can you have culture without having connection? Can you have connection without having community? And so if this almost like triangular type of situation, pending copyright or something, whatever that was, that was some good stuff. No, that was good. I, I could tell you just, I was like, I, yeah, I could tell you were like, I ain't never done that before. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, somebody about to take this. I was like, no, 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 You know, we here. So. I feel that. Hey, get that. Get that. You need to put no, that, go in Canva immediately. Put that in Canva. Listen, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, and so, and so, and so with the community aspects being there, I think now too, you know, for instance, when I officiate weddings, you know, that is, that's a community, but that's also a connection. But then mm. that specific type of connection allows me to, yes, I get to communicate with the folks that are there and I'm hearing their love stories, but I get to step out and get to witness their love. Mm. And so now I get to witness the connection between the two people that are there. Yeah. And so that's where all these things, they have the direct meanings of what they are, but then they get to be nuanced in the way in which they show up for what I'm doing in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. or um, I'm starting a, a role with like it's a contract role as a moderator around culture change and some of those interviews and such. And then now that's going into the community aspect, boss, into the connection aspect, I guess, technically and community. 
yeah. uh, because you're building that over time. But this is really about, you know, um, impartial interviews to get better culture at mm. organizations. So that's where it now just like, you know, if I'm doing it, does it track? Yes, it does track. Does it bring me joy? Yes, it does. Great. And we kind of go from there. Mm, I, I really do like that. And even the idea of like how each of these three things are feeding into each other. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. I, I've had that same feeling too with my technically four, but it's really three values, but it's uh, joy, authenticity, community, equity. But like it's, it's, it's more so the three joy, authenticity, and then equities. How is, how is equity showing up in every aspect of those values? Right. So I, I even think about this as, can I truly be authentic or can I truly be joyous and inauthentic? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think you can. Like, I think I need to show yeah. up as myself to actually experience true joy. Can I, exp- can I um, be authentic within a community? Can I show up joyous within a community? Like that, when I'm in community or people see me where I can show up, like it, it's all those things that they're, they're feeding into each other. And then how is equity, equity showing up in all of those different things? Like, very similar, different, but very similar idea. And I love how like even the connective tissue there. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think one thing I'd add is at this stage of my life, I've also recognized how much community actually drives me. Mm-hmm. I would say that I am nothing without my support systems mm-hmm. and my support systems are all based in community. From the church that I go to and I'm a part of and being able to be a queer Christian in an accepting queer Christian space, Mm. that's one community. Austin uh, was on your podcast already. And two of the communities that he created, a man cave and the real ones uh, consortium, like I'm a part of both of those as well. Mm. Um, Or like either... And some uh, some some groups that I, I found through my therapy, uh, then, you know, that's community systems. Or it's just like, I recognize, again, how much community has just kind of just driven me. And I look at my family from the community. And so, like, most of the times, you know, my prayer is, is just, is, is more so just being thankful for those communities because I know that if it wasn't for them, then I wouldn't literally wouldn't be where I am. Like it just, everything tracks. Yeah. That's, that's really, really true. I think in the last like post like 2020 on, right. I think that I very similar. I thought I knew what community was. Like I thought I had had it in respects and I did. There was like these group of friends that we had, we call ourselves the walrus pack. It was based off of a dream I had. I'll tell the dream because I saw the look. All right. So the dream was, <laughs> all right. So the dream was, shout out, shout out Russ back. The dream was we were all in like Antarctica or some cold ass place. And we were on these ice like caps, but the ice was breaking apart and we were shrinking. And then there was sharks coming to try and grab us off of there. But we were surrounding each other and protecting each other. These big walruses and just like, taking out the sharks and they couldn't get us. And so I just woke up feeling like, that that is this is that group we are protecting each other we're watching out for each other um anyways that was that group for that time since then we've all like moved different places but i i think i was still hungry because i think for me i've just been the lone like black person or one of very few black people for like literally 90 percent of my life and yeah. it wasn't until where it was so lonely. Like I was incredibly lonely. And like all the all the people that hit me up or like texted me or reached out or I was hanging out with were not black. And and yeah. they were just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So it was just like all of this grief and people not understanding even the emotions and grief that I was feeling. And so fast forward to like 2021-ish, I joined the Black Speakers Collective. And then from there, I've joined a bunch of other groups and meeting so many other black folks. And it has been so healing for me. I've just yeah. been like so loved on and been able to love on other people and support it, encourage all the different things the last like two-ish years that like, I'm like, man, I have like been missing out <laughs> as yeah. far as like this community aspect and not really kind of having a general sense of what community is. But like really now, even these virtual communities that I've been a part of has just been like, God damn, yeah. bro. Like this is just like incredible and not realizing um, very similar to you, like a lot of the things I do, like I am fueled by mainly community, mainly the people that that care and love me and like are pushing me. Damn, you're smart. Or damn, you're like, this is a great idea. Or like, do that. Like, what are you doubting yourself? Like do all the different things. So it's been um, incredibly transformative. 
you know, and I, and I feel like 2020 was also a similar time for me. Um, because there was a specific moment that where I recognized all the things that I allowed myself to be indoctrinated in hmm. for the sake of work. And so when I graduated college, I told myself I'll be one of few black people at an organization. And that's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. There were so so many de- definitives of like, or understandings that I thought had to be a certain way for me to move forward or, or for me to live by the idea of what I thought success was at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, nah, actually, I don't have to. I don't have to be the only black person in these organizations. I don't have to take on than the emotional burden of being that only black person or being tokenized in like in so many different ways. Mm. Um, and it, I think once you saw it and once you kind of just like allowed yourself to just be in that, nah, it doesn't have to be this way. It was hella hard to go back. And since then it has been hard for me to go back. Yes. You know, I, I think I've recognized that then because is that growth happens. It's like when you're in therapy and you start to identify certain triggers, and now every single time you identify that trigger, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, because now your mind is open. Yep. And so I think, again, like, how do we get to those instances and still be able to take, like, all the bullshit and allow it to silence us? I'm not doing that. Like, yep. I, I refuse yep. to. Like, what's the point? I don't got time for that bullshit. Like, we got to, we got, it's literally, literally so much else happening. World is on fire type of shit. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't not be myself authentically Mm. and with the asterisk that I'm still growing and understanding and discovering who I am because in this moment I am this person. Mm. I might not be that person tomorrow, you know? And so that also then has to then relate to the way in which I communicate and relate to all the different parts of myself and the world Mm -hmm. with who I am in that moment. Yeah. Can we like always hang out? Like can, can like I mean, we just be, <laughs> can we like can we like hang out at least like once a week? That was yeah. uh, just straight word, Dion. And I think you named something that I was feeling very self conscious about. Mm-hmm. Is I was telling Lynn's my partner this just like in a very vulnerable moment. She was helping me put together this workshop that I I did yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. It's about this idea of career joy. This thing is not. It's defi- It's used elsewhere, like career happiness. Like people say that, but people don't say career joy. I looked it up. I'm going to trademark it. That, that issue is mine, trademark pending. But I was so scared to like say things definitively, right? Mm-hmm. So to say like, folks, I know folks are, are experiencing this. I know folks are asking these questions and to ask who you are, what your values are, and are you safe are three incredibly important questions for you to enter and experience true career joy. As I was putting the, the workshop together, I know that like I ran out of like fucks to give when it came to people trying to dim my light. And I have experienced incredible amounts of joy in the work that I do, the people that I work with, so on and so forth after that, knowing that all these other things. But still, I was having such an incredibly difficult time leaning into this idea that to encourage other people to do that. If you feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying, like, I, I think that that's the whole concept around what I'm doing is really having people experience what you just named is like, you, the, you don't have to do this. That sense of like martyrdom that you feel like you have to, this is just what it takes to be where I'm at. It's bullshit. Like <laughs> you don't have to, those are like incredibly outdated, never were true for black folks, any marginalized identity anyways. Cause like, they don't give a fuck. They don't care about you. None of these mm-hmm. systems were designed for you. And so I just like, yeah, you just named all of the things. I ain't got time. Like I legitimately do not have time. Like why would I invest my energy and effort into this space, whatever space that is, because like I could be somewhere else. I literally could be somewhere else, which, you know, when I do my work and consulting work and I'm just really, really honest, I'm like, you will lose people because they don't want to work here because you suck. Like you suck. And like, you don't want to listen and you don't want to pay attention and you don't want to be like able to grow and have different perspectives. Like, and gen millennials, gen Z's definitely don't give a fuck. Like they will just not show up. They won't even say anything. They just won't show up. Um, anyways, I'm going on a tangent, but it's just like, you just named something that was just like so beautiful to me and like really, really affirming in this moment. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Theon, 
we have been going on and on and on about all kinds of things, but I do want to talk about like the work that you do. And you named yeah. in the beginning, as you were in your uh, wonderful intro, like all the commas that you have. You named that you had a, a previous role, but I'm curious, how did you make this transition into entrepreneurship and, and wearing all of these different hats for yourself? Yeah, it started at CSI. And mm-hmm. so just, I guess I'm, I'm going to try my best to like be concise with this. I was in tech first, pause. I was in corporate first, then I was in tech. I was in tech startups. One day I kind of just had enough and it, I got a, I got a new leader and I didn't agree with it. And I'm not good at saving face when I don't want to be somewhere. I realized that uh, <laughs> now. <laughs> and so I thought I was doing a great job then. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, but, but then my work started to really, to really falter. And then um, one day I, I got in an Uber pool, you know, when it first, when people still talk to each other and yeah. Uber pool was that place. I got in there. There was this guy, he was wearing like, 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 um, like a like almost like a performer outfit and i was just like who's this guy but like from from experiences that i've had i got new people who were performers and so i was like oh you're performing he was like well you know something like that he started asking me questions i was like well what do you want out of life um and, and i was like <laughs> right and and like and I was, a deep like, ass question what you know, yeah. I'm like, questions. And so then like, I was like, yeah, well, you know, I want to meet new people. I want to travel. And he was like, great. So what are you doing right now? And I was like, well, I'm traveling. He was like, great. And do you know me? And I was like, no. I was like, so I'm a new person. Yeah. He's like, well, why can't you have what you want already? And that's a piece where I was like, oh, okay. It's, at the time, I didn't recognize it was a reframe, but it was a reframe that was needed. Mm. And uh, if you want to find more, find me. I found him. That was my first life coach. In, and in that time, he was the person that said, hey, I think your people will be at CSI. I've never been to the one in New York, but I've been to one in Canada and something seems right. I went there, saw it, and then I volunteered. Fast forward, I ended up working there for the next three and a half years. Wow, wow. When I was there, the entrepreneurs, the different organizations, the change makers, the impact seekers, those were the folks who I was around all the time. And my goal was to one, yes, help them because that's what my job was with membership and such. But also two, it was just to like get a visibility of like what's happening here. And I always say that's the difference. And that was a moment that separates me from some other folks was that I got a ton of examples in that moment. So even if they weren't like where they were going to be ultimately, or they weren't like, you know, again, like, again, whatever success looks like for them, it's individual is defined by them. Um, Then that's when I saw, oh, this is what it takes. This is what it looks like when there's an individual entrepreneur. This is after you scale to five people. This is after you scale to 15 or 30 or X, Y, and Z. And that's when I was like, okay, this is interesting. But I still didn't have in my head that I could achieve that. Fast forward, pandemic comes. And uh, right right before we actually closed during the pandemic, right before we closed, we tried to pivot. And I started doing online virtual production with my colleague, uh, Sarah, at the time. And I was like, oh, wait, I like this quite a bit. And so mm-hmm. everyone went on went virtual and said that, like, you know, Zoom fatigue. Nope. I said, well, let's do it. Like, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it, it, was, it was just different. Um, I got to experience that. I kept one or two clients over that time before I started. I went to my next role um, back into tech. Then uh, February of last year, 2022, I abruptly got laid off. And so mm. I didn't know that layoffs were coming. We were a team of 16 and I took the job because the end, like the folks were just bomb. Like it, mm. it was a really good team. Ultimately, they had more layoffs, but that first layoff was surprised and everyone was just like, wait, what? And I recognize to be in community is like to be in customer success when customer success first got rolled out. And so folks don't know how to definitives. Organizations have to put intentional ideas and framing and structure around what community means to them. It needs to be built into their DNA, in my opinion. At the time, it wasn't, and that then reflected on who needs to get cut first. 
We're mm. looking at budgets. It's back to that sense of line items. And the one thing I never liked was to feel like a line item. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so in that, once I got laid off, it was difficult. I recognized I had to be able to move through. And because of the type of person that I am, you know, using the rational brain and using like the other piece, I could understand why I got cut from a community perspective, from where the money was, from like, we have this like governing body that's paying for this stuff. But then the other side of me that's like realistic is like, no, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> this could have been done so much, you know, so, so such differently or yeah. in, 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 in a way that felt better. I don't have, I have lack of a better yeah. word. No, no. Yeah. So, um, better so, is fine. So once that happened, um, you know, a lot of people were excited for me. My coach at the time, Marie DeVoe, shout out. I always have to say her name in yeah, space. Shout out. And that's also actually how we met. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Shout out. And she was so proud and excited for me because she saw me through multiple jobs and over mm. multiple years and mm. knew that I would be okay as well as others knew. But I like I knew my my heart knew that I would figure out because that's what I do. I figure out a way. But at the time, I didn't know. And I think that's when entrepreneurship, I said, okay, well, what are the skills that I have? I can do virtual production. We're at the, we're in, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Folks are still trying to do virtual. Let me see what can launch off. Immediately I started working with her. I started working um, and doing with with, with her executive leadership and her coaching program. I then started working with uh, a friend, Viv, um, who is the head of a thing called Global and Collective, which is a consulting firm for change and culture change within organizations. Mm -hmm. And it just afforded me opportunities. Like there's just two people that, the real they were had already already had relationships in my, in, in, with me, and then also they had these organizations that now it was kind of just like it's yours if you want to be a part of it. So I started doing production for both, mm-hmm. and I would tell you, Jonathan, like at the time it felt like a movie. It felt like oh, this is one of the most devastating parts that are you know of that movie is that is you know and is that time where you're just kind of like everything is fast moving around you and you're just kind of there stuck in that kind of like, oh shit, like, word, like I'm sad. Like I got no money. I mean, I had a severance package, sorry. But like, you know, like those, and so so like those things happened, you know, but then fast forward and thank God I still have therapy and all Mm -hmm. these other pieces. Again, my support systems, top notch. So my friends who held me down in those times, yeah, Mm -hmm. they hurt a lot. You know, I, I, I was traveling with Marie. Like I before that, I I didn't I didn't do production in this type of way at the scale. But then I'm traveling with Marie, you know, to different like different places and being her her you know her, her producer as she does her keynotes and such and online stuff. And then with Viv, you know, like luck, I got to go to the White House. Like what? <laughs> like, like what? <laughs> so so I think two two or three weeks after I got laid off. And I told Viv, she was like, okay, you know, like, it's going to be okay. But also, why don't you join this call on Wednesday? Like, you can just join it. It turned out it was a call for MTV. At the time, I didn't know that that's what the contract that she had. I joined the call. They said, like, they, they, they really liked me, you know, and I was just myself. That one was a validating point, by the way. Yep. Two, I stepped back. And then at the time, I got picked up to be the producer on this project. And it was... Um, a ton. It was I think it was about about thirty or so uh, young people that were making strides within mental health. I think it was the Youth Mental Health Action Forum, and it was a culmination at the White House and all these other pieces. I didn't know if I was going to go to the White House. I know I was just doing the online programming, and then fast forward, I'm in the White House. You're in the and White I'm House. Like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> this is not a test. We are here. But then I got there and, uh, like. There is a story there about because I have chronic foot issues and then I couldn't perform in that type of way. And so mm. all the anxiety and all these other pieces, but it was staffed with therapists on site. And it was the first time that I saw a space that allowed me to like, I showed up in my deficit and they held me and got me through it. Mm. And I was just like, oh, shucks, I'm amazed. Yeah. You know, and so it was so, so I saw that. I get, a several hundred hours of production at this point. And then, you know, also throughout weddings, like mm. one friend asked, another friend found out and asked, and then I did it at an icebreaker at an old organization. This couple was in there and they went to get married. My barber sent me a note at a different time. I was like, Hey, can you marry people? 
Mm. This couple wants to get married. I found out on Thursday, I married them on the Sunday. Wow. I'm going on to wedding number eight. And so oh, wow. that is where these <laughs> things that start to kind of go. Or even with this most recent this most recent project, I've been working with uh, Rachel Goldstein and she's been amazing. I met her at CSI. She was a member. And okay. when I was there, she was also doing large scale events. I've always loved events, hmm. but I didn't go into the path yet. Yeah. And I remember saying, I want to work with her, but I, and I told her that fast forward to 2023, she calls me and asked me to work with her, mm. you know, and now we're doing like, you know, we did a global citizen, global summit, um, their uh, GC now in September just did one with uh, um, for, um, 4A's foundation and they're in advertising and they're multi is a, a multicultural advertising intern program. Uh, but it, it was dope. Like, you know, Dougie Fresh was a performer. Like, yeah, DJ P. Nice. <laughs> like, it was, it, it was just these, all these random things, not random, but like random in my mind because two years ago, none of the trajectory would have made sense to me. You yeah. know, I I, I, I I had inklings of things that I liked, but it was then when I chose to say yes after the, 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 the layoff, when I chose to stay in my discomfort, mm. all these things started happening. And that's why I think of, when I think of manifestation and talking things to existence, I do hold that very high. Because my entrepreneurship is built into these seemingly unconnected things, but they're all interconnected and the ways in which and all the plans like that, it, it just, it's just started to blossom. And I say that with a big asterisk of, I don't have it understood fully yet. I'm yeah, still yeah. learning. I'm still trying to build out all these different aspects. I'm still recognizing that if sustainability means marketing, again, back to marketing, I need more of it. I need to learn how to talk about myself and all yeah. the websites and all these different things. It's a, it's a, you know, step into the discomfort, lean in, learn and to grow and to exist and to also accept and let go mm-hmm. and to feel within all these different highs and lows of it. Like yeah, that was yeah. the thing I knew was coming. But I didn't know the speed in which entrepreneurship would give you the highs and lows. Mm. And sometimes that felt just like, I mean, it would knocked me off yes, of any yes. standing that I had. And I'm just like, okay. And I pulled back because my defense mechanism is just to go silent, mm. you know? And so defense mechanism, coping mechanism usually coping. is the silent, mm-hmm. you know? And so then that's when I was like, okay, well, if I continue to just lean in, I'm going to figure it out mm-hmm. and my community won't let me fail. And so that's where I'm at with my entrepreneurship. And that's how it got started. I hope mm-hmm. that was like, I'm not, no, I love the scenic. I love the scenic route. Also, you're a fantastic communicator. So I feel like everybody's like rocking with what you're saying. There was a lot of moments where just probably folks were just like, yes, Yes, yes. And so it was a movie. That was a, that was definitely a show. Yeah. I love it. And so uh, what was interesting to me is, and this is what I was saying about these three questions, right? When we experience something, there could be three questions that we ask ourselves. It's like the, who are you? Like, this shit sucks. Like, even in my own entrepreneurial journey, I remember like the pandemic hit. I was in, I was a community manager as well at a co-working space. Mm-hmm. And I like loved it. I was having so much fun and the money was solid. Like, I, I mean, it wasn't, where I want it to be, but I'm like full benefits plus like this salary solid. I'm I'm like, great. And then literally the pandemic hit for three months after I started. And then all of a sudden my job's not the same. I think six or so months after that, like I was like, I am not going to commute. My home location got closed. Another location was about to close. Like, I don't, I don't have time for that. Like I'm not, and I'm also, anyways, I'm not going to go into that. Listeners have heard this a lot in those moments. Like I, you, I ask myself these questions like, who are you? Mm-hmm. What do you value? Are you safe? The hard part about like when you're faced with something difficult, um, it like it's to like face it. Like honestly, yeah. it's to like some people, and when I mean like face it, acknowledge it, it's like to acknowledge the hurt, the pain, the grief, whatever, like properly grieve. Yeah. But the other part of that is to not trying to like, you know, logic your way out of it or like don't do anything with it and just move on like it didn't happen. But it, it the hard part about it is to sit with it. Yeah. Sometimes share it vulnerably. Yeah. Um, 
it's sometimes it it's just so hard and messy. And like I think the beautiful part of your story is like you chose to do the hard part every single time. Yeah. One because you had an incredible community and support system, which I always encourage people to find your folks. But like you chose to do the hard part every single time, and like I can, I'm not gonna say it worked out because I feel like that puts a bow on it because yeah. there's probably a lot of difficult and messy and devastating parts about your story that you didn't share. There is something about continuing. And I'm not even going to say persevering. I'm not going to say like any of those things. It's just taking the next step and like not knowing what it is. And sometimes all you got is just this, you just see a dimly lit candle at the end of this incredibly fucking dark tunnel. But you know, you're in that, you're going in somewhat of that, that direction. You're going somewhere in the right direction. I just like, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting too, you say about the, the, the candle, something that moved me. So I mentioned before Wes, his name is Wesley Morris, shout out Wes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he, uh, who I do the time for healing with mm. when he, so he's a pastor. And I think that when he wrote his dissertation, when he was a seminary, it was about the darkness and the peaks and the valleys. And mm. when I was introduced to that, was when I started to really think more about this idea of darkness and how mm. darkness itself is demonized. And mm, it's always mm. looked at it that we have to make a way out of it. Yes, mm. because sometimes darkness, especially um, when you're not used to it, it feels like you can be lost. But then there's something to be said about what's made in the dark. Mm. And when it comes to light, it's something mm. to be said about you know what's made in the valleys. And when you get to those peaks, you understand it more because mm. you recognize just how much perseverance it took or you recognize how much growth it took, or you mm. recognize how much it took for you to just sit with the moments of sadness. Mm. So you mentioned before about when we experiencing these emotions and not to just kind of, you know, my 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 way was to push it. You know, mm. I'm I'm one of the kids early on that was told I was too emotional. So then I stifled mm. my emotions as I got mm. older. Yep. And then the therapy, it was then to lean into it to understand Mm. that leaning into my emotions didn't mean that I was going to lose it or it was going to be just too much to handle or I could never get out of it. And Mm. so with the layoff, I intentionally sat with it. I also have to add is that that's not my first layoff. And that was also part of my understanding was, see, I've been laid off in good spots multiple times. I, at three, I think it was three times. And that's more than a lot of folks. And yeah. I, I assume, because I don't know the number statistically, but at a certain point, someone does not want me to be in these organizations until I do what I need to do. And for mm. me, because I am religious, that was God. And that's okay. Well, God doesn't want me to be here. And so mm. then there has to be something else as to why and where and how and what this world could even look like, you know, from, you know, how I interact with it. I think that's when I recognize, like, again, like, yeah, those are going to be those dark moments, you know, and I suffer from depression, you know, candidly. And yeah. so, but I know that after a depressive mode, I can, I can still get past it. I know mm. that I can still be able to work through it. I know that I'm understanding myself now to this feels hella tough right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try my best to speak to my, myself in the best way because I know that my judgment and my shame lives very strong within me. Mm-hmm. And that has been my journey throughout therapy as well. And mm-hmm. so how do I recognize myself and know myself, but also authentically lean into these different opportunities and conversations, even sometimes when it feels like I don't necessarily want to be here. You know, and then you kind of lean and make, oh, wait, and I'm going to lean further. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. yeah, this brings me joy. Dope. Wait, that's an inkling. Mm-hmm. Let me notice that. Wait, let me go a little more into it. A, mm-hmm. in a little more, a little more. I found my way back to the church because every single time I had an interaction with the church, I felt something so strong and I mm-hmm. knew that I had to be there. And then yeah. I ended up, that was, I ended up giving my first sermon in July. About, oh, wow. Congrats. That's huge. <laughs> so that's where it was just like, oh, hey, I can do that now. Because as a teenager, I said, God didn't want me. The church didn't want mm. me because of who I am. Then I don't want it. And so yeah. then, then it became, again, back to that reframe. How yep. many times do we have to reframe in our lives to be able to move forward? And for me, that answer is continuously. Mm. So if someone if, expect, so when I find folks, too, that can give me a good reframe, Mm. And we can have a great conversation as well. It's going to yeah. be a thing. Like, and, yes. <laughs> and we're going to yes. cut up all the time because now I recognize, oh, wait, you think critically. 
Mm-hmm, you think like, so mm-hmm. the analytical brain is going off on different ways, and that is my language. So I I want to speak it. I want to be within it, and also I want to speak possibility with it too. Yeah, possibility yes, yes. within itself is not added on top of the entire happening of the peaks and the valleys and feeling you know the highs and the lows. Yeah. That was you gave your first sermon in July. Just your first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I gave my first. Yeah, that's just the first, just one. Are you sure, just one? <laughs> Listen, my sister, my sister's been telling me I'm an I've been, I've been an advocate my whole life. So if I if yeah. I had something to preach about, we're gonna preach about it. Hey, you know, come on now. Hey, let the church say amen. And here's the thing too. I I love that too. And I think I've heard that thing about particularly the thing that stuck out to me that you said was like the darkness piece and like reframing that and rechanging that like thought process, because that's not the first time I heard that. And mm-hmm. it's just so built in. I mean, the layers and dynamics of demonizing and vilifying darkness. Yeah. Blackness, right. It's just mm-hmm. like multi-layered. You just keep it a hunt, just a stack because we're both black. So, it, mm-hmm. but on top of that, I think like it also, it also communicates, and I know we got to go, but like, it, I think it does something psychologically too, of like yeah. saying that like any hard emotion, any quote unquote dark time, we need to move and get out of as fast as we possibly can. Like we need to find the light, get to the light as quickly as possible. And I heard somewhere before that like, particularly in the US context, like we do not know how to grieve. Like we don't yeah. know how to grieve. I think in the context of like, Grieving happens in so many different contexts, but like work, friendships, I'll say all sorts of relationships. Like it's just, I don't don't know. There's something about, there's something about that time where it's, it's, it's hard. There's something about that time where it's like, you're just so emotionally raw when you're able to and have the space to. And I think that there's a level of privilege to this too, right? Because not everybody Mm -hmm. has the space or ability or even like emotional um, I guess like safety to 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 do it. So I want to acknowledge that. But I think when we are able to, like I think that there's so much that happens there. There's so much that happens there when we're not as frantic to get out of those spaces and we're, and we're able to like just sit there for just a half second and yeah. just like weep, cry. I'm, wow, I'm getting emotional, right? <laughs> it's just weep, cry, like feel. And I think... I think I know why. I think because subconsciously, like my body has felt so overwhelmed emotionally with everything in the last like month Mm -hmm. that I've just had wave after wave of emotion, just like with work, with the Palestinian, with the Palestinians. And if I'm going to make no mistake, like it's it's free Palestine over here, but, um, but it's just, I know it's a convoluted and uh, and very complex issue, but the death of innocent people is just like horrible. Um, But yeah. Um, it's just so, and then on top of just so much, like there's just so much that like, uh, that I just, the, the level of like, I don't even know where I'm going with this, like grief and like complexity and like messiness. Like it's not, not everything has to be tidy. Not everything has to be like clean. Not everything has to be like bright and shiny. And I think the idea that that is the way that we exist, it's not healthy. It's not and I say healthy, I'm put, I'm put that in quotes, like healthy. It's not, I'll say this, healthy is not, healthy feels definitive. It is not, it doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it, I, I don't connect with that. Like um, I'm not always polished. I'm not always clean. So um, I just like, like that reframe of like, of the darkness. Like we're fed that idea that darkness is bad. That is, we need to avoid it. We need to hurry up and get out of it. But, um, yeah, like just like maybe that needs to be a reframe for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I would even, and I think parts of what you said, Jonathan, about that not polish and not how it has to look, there's, there's a thread there on perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. recognizing that if perfectionism is in the room, then you're probably not at your best hmm. because at the end of the day is just, is damaging. Mm-hmm. It gives us these like unattainable 
heights or unattainable ideas of what it needs to look like and that it has to all look a very certain way based on who said it mm-hmm. and why they got the power to say it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there, so I think, I think there's that. I think that it does also talk to, again, in that darkness. I like that piece of like, it always tells us that we have to run away from the dark or who's afraid of the dark. Like it was a whole TV show. I don't even know if you could put that in because of license yeah. rights, but who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> but, 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 the way in which it's socialized, we've been socialized for a lot of things that don't serve us. And so mm-hmm. finding a way and going towards a way that helps you to move forward as long as it's not at the detriment of others mm-hmm. and recognizing that that growth can happen in so many different ways and on so many different timelines and all these different pieces, like, no, we're, we're, we're writing actively, you know, what our history looks like and what the change starts to look like. So I'm going to lean in and I'm going to say that now singular, I'm going to lean into all the different ways, all the I don't knows, all the I wishes, all the possibilities, all the manifestations. I'm going to lean into all the different things because at this point, all the other things are fucked. And so I need to have my own formula, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to say this and then we absolutely have to go. I'm asking one more question after this, but it's like this idea that I've been telling, I've started to play with with this idea of career joy is that professionalism is requiring us to disembody ourselves, like to live disassociated yeah. from like our authentic selves and like yeah. quote unquote work selves. Because like, like those two people are actually different, right? Like any marginalized community, any, and I say marginal, marginalized community with air quotes, right? But any marginalized mm-hmm. community could actually do that in real time, right? Who they're actually, what they're actually saying is like, all of your, marginalizations at the door. We want you to show up. We want you to work. We want you to do this. Go home. And at any point you try and do change, any point you try and like push the envelope, do any significant like damage to the status quo, like you got to go or you'll be isolated, whatever, like we'll just stay in your corner. Right. I, I just refuse. Like I refuse. And to your point, like it is professionalism is just uh at the root of it, right? It's a professionalism is a branch, and I put professionalism because who says that? Like who, who is it? Who's who's creating those rules, norms, and social beliefs? Right? Uh, is at the core of it is white supremacy, like whiteness, all those different things, right? And when we really like look at it, so I'll, we're gonna stop because I've already kept you past the time that I said. Uh, but um, this has been wonderful. The last mm-hmm. question that I want to ask you is. What are you excited to share with the world? Mm. What am either I excited that you're, to share? Yeah, either that you're doing or something maybe even you want to promote. What are you excited to share yeah. with the world? I'm excited to share through my own experiences. One, everything is interconnected. Mm. That's real. Yeah. Two, that choosing a life of joy is difficult, but it's also rewarding. And through those exploits, through my understandings and through my learnings, I want to say look out because there will be events in the future that I create that will center healing. That's in person, virtual. I'm going to explore more around what my stance within religion looks like, how I'm connecting and showing up for others. I'm just going to say, watch this space. Like I don't have it to figure out right now, but six months ago I didn't have it figured out. And then something else happened and then mm-hmm. something else new happened. Mm-hmm. If you, if I catch up with me every two weeks, then something is going to look different every two weeks. So watch this space. Feel free to follow me at the is free. If you're looking to get married, Talk to the camera now. <laughs> if you're looking to get married, what's good? Uh, <laughs> Reggie, clip that right there. <laughs> you, I create, I create, I create some some moments and experiences. My name is Theon Freeman, and I, I'm here to create your special moment. Yeah, <laughs> is that marketing? Is that too that's much? it. That's I get I think all that that's stop plying with me. You know? <laughs> I think I think that that's what they call marketing gold right there. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the marketing. That's the marketing. That's marketing gold right there. Theon, 
thank you so much for coming through. I think when I when I envisioned this show, like mm-hmm. literally from from jump, like these are the kind of conversations that like I dream of having. Like I literally dream of like if I could if I could have a conversation that's like so nuanced and just asking questions and thinking critically yeah. and just being okay with not knowing, and then we just have a, a hell of a good time. Like this is it. So incredibly impactful for me this is literally y'all this is like the second time me and theon are talking the first time it was only supposed to be 30 minutes we almost talked for two hours so um so i just um i just love that that this is just easy and if i'm ever in new york if you're ever in la hit me up um yeah you might have a, you got you got a place to sleep and everything all those things but thank you so much that say less <laughs> Yeah, we got literally. We got a we got a bed. It's comfortable. I make I good coffee. Like, all the things. Listen, I book a flight. Watch. Okay, <laughs> we out here. Oh my god. Yeah. So all the things. But um, you have a thank you again for coming on. Truly, seriously, this is a this thank is a blessing you. for real. Yep.